that's my secret cat. I'm always angry. <laughs> Run out of patience. On the roof! Hey everyone, Cap Captain, big fan, Spider-Man. Avengers! Assemble. Hello, Peter. Hello and welcome back to the Infinity Saga and Beyond, an MCU fan podcast where we will be talking the 31st film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I am Jordan Wiegand, and as always with me when it comes to characters like Doctor Strange and Ant-Man, Jack Seaprasad. How are you today, Jack? Uh, very good. You know, uh very excited to have watched this movie uh and i i'm going i'm going to spoil a little bit i really liked it that's it that that's that that's the bold <laughs> statement to start out with uh but ant-man's one of my favorite characters uh i think my second favorite comic book character specifically scott lang's ant-man uh hank pym's ant-man is a little bit more messed up but we're, we're but scott lang great guy so of course i was super excited for this movie yeah it's uh we, i really liked it as well we might be the only people that did uh when we're looking at uh the you know we'll talk about it at certain points but when we're looking at the rotten tomato scores when we're looking at the cinema score uh the what what's the one that um it does like the median uh, of scores uh metacritic metacritic scores all that oh, yeah. stuff uh, I mean, box office wise, it's doing okay. I mean, it's probably going to be the highest Ant-Man opening, which is, uh, I think Ant-Man and the Wasp was 95 million. This is right now, as of two hours ago, tracking for 100 million uh, on th the third day. Uh, but it is a four-day weekend, so 115 four days is what they're projecting right now. Uh, those can change uh, from when we're recording. But uh, yeah, so hey, if you did not like this movie, this podcast episode probably not going to be for you because we uh, <laughs> we're probably going to be gushing over this movie, and you're probably going to be screaming at your car as you're driving, like, "What did they watch?" But you know, opinions, right? Uh, that's that's how these go. Uh, so we'll, we're going to dive into it here. But I, before we do, I'm going to give the synopsis. This is from I think. The Marvel.com website is where I grabbed this from. Uh, it is in the film, which officially kicks off phase five of the MCU. Superhero partner Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne return to continue their adventures as Ant-Man and the Wasp. Together with Hope's parents, Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, the family finds themselves exploring the quantum realm, interacting with strange new creatures and embarking on an adventure that will push them beyond the limits of what they thought was possible. Jonathan Majors joins the adventure as Kang. Uh, and this was, of course, written by Jeff Loveness, uh, directed by Peyton Reed. And it was February 17th, 2023 in theaters. So I guess, Jack, you said you really liked it. G give us a little bit more before we dive into the plot here of just what really worked for you in, in this movie. Yeah, well, 
I think one thing that uh, I real that really struck me with this movie is one the visuals. I know some people are going to complain and say it's a CGI fest with the visuals, but I thought it looked absolutely stunning. I pe I I watched people review it and say it looked weird in some parts. I couldn't see where it did, and when it did, I think it's kind of supposed to look weird. You know, it's a quantum realm movie. So it can look a little weird. I thought it. Uh, I I know a lot of people have been saying it's like a Star Wars type movie. It felt like almost Mass Effect like to me. Uh, is what I, is what I'd kind of liken it to. It it felt like it gave off some of those kinds of vibes with the character designs. Star Wars, Mass Effect, kind of kind of in that kind of sci fi realm. And the main thing that real that I really enjoyed about this, besides obviously the great performances by all of the main actors was this is the most comic booky ant-man movie and i said that about the about doctor strange 2 and i like when comic book movies acknowledge that they're comic book movies and they actually lean into that they're not afraid to do the weird stuff and it felt like um you know, there, there's the, the ant-man uh comic run from 2015 that i think we've both read jordan and it feels like a good adaptation of that where like Scott is kind of goofy. He's, he's cutting into like the villain monologues and stuff like that. And I think that's, I think that serves uh, its purpose really well. It just feels, it feels like something that you could see being written in a comic book and this being like an arc in a comic book. And I, and for that, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, when I, when I saw the star Wars complaint, uh, cause a lot of people used it as a negative. Uh, when I was looking at stuff before going in, I was like, one, I don't understand how that's a negative. Uh, I like Star Wars. So to me, that's a that's a plus if it feels like a Star Wars movie. Um, but uh, I got it. Like, I feel like if you like or love the Star Wars prequels, I think you'll like or love this movie because to me, it feels very prequel esque. Uh, the the CGI you could say even there, but you know, they have like a little cantina type scene, right. With the bill Murray, uh, uh, ex you know, inclusion into this, um, you have, uh, characters like the blob guy, uh, Vaz or Vaz, uh, is his name. Uh, you, you get characters like that. You get the, you know what, that even, it reminded me a little bit of the sequels too. the the scene where they're storming Kang's uh, area reminded me of them storming the, uh, the, the Exegol and uh, rise of Skywalker actually um, maybe it's because of the clouds like of Exegol and kind of like the clouds of the quantum realm are similarly produced or something, but it, it had that same sort of vibe to me. Um, yeah, so I would say I, I can kind of see the similarities there. For me, I think that's that's great. For others, I guess I can kind of see where it might go wrong for them. I think some people, and I don't know why they would think this, uh, there were some complaints that this loses the grounded nature of the Ant-Man franchise. Well, the Ant-Man franchise had two of those movies. It's fine to shake things up for for a third one. Also, when you have the name Quantum Mania, I don't know why you'd be expecting to get anything other than the quantum realm. So, for me, 
I I wasn't in expecting what we got and I and I liked it. And I think one thing that really helps and one thing that could have made this movie fall really flat is if Jonathan Majors is not as good as he is. But since he's phenomenal, I think he helps carry some of this quantum stuff because he his performance I think is pretty spectacular for you know, like I said, any other actor playing this role might ham it up more and might not be as threatening. You might not be buying the the threatening nature of Kang when he's, you know, threatening Cassie and telling Scott, you're going to do this for me. And uh, so I, I think that's one of the reasons why it really worked for me, too. It's just Jonathan Majors, I think, is just really good in this movie. We're in good hands. Yeah, I I completely agree. Yeah, Jonathan Majors. I mean, he was great in Loki uh, when we when we saw him as He Who Remains. But like in this one, just every single scene he's in, he just has like this sense of gravitas around him, where he just he the the energy he brings into any shot or scene he's in is just intense. He he is perfect to be like this threatening guy who has basically limitless power theoretically right uh and he he just there there's a few scenes in there where he just he doesn't even do anything like to attack anyone and you just feel like he he's he's just menacing and uh i i think you know he he's absolutely fantastic in this i can't wait to see more of him throughout phase five and six uh and also we're it looks like we're gonna see him pretty soon in the in loki season two yeah you know the the one thing that really i think dragged this movie down for me because like i said i really liked it it's not like uh i don't love it it's really like i don't know what that means uh i think i have this second out of the ant-man movies but what dragged it down for me a bit is how long it takes to get to Kang. And they do something that annoys me in every TV show and every movie that I ever see, which is when they ask Janet a question a million times. And she's like, I can't tell you for your own safety. I can't tell you for your own safety, like multiple times. And I'm like, I already know the answer. Cause I already know Kang's on the poster. So just say it like, that's the kind of stuff that like, upsets me not like upsets like i'm like fuming but like you know where i'm like just get there like just get there like let's get to kang um i think the flashback that she tells could have probably happened sooner and then we like it doesn't have to do that and then transition right to i think it transitions almost right then to kang walking in with ant-man so they probably could have done that without doing too much the like the bill murray part almost feels pointless at a time i don't know if he was supposed to have a bigger role uh because he gets like eaten like pretty quick uh or if it was always supposed to be a cameo or or like how that was supposed to be but that's kind of like the one thing for this movie that i'm like i remember watching it sitting in the theater like i'm waiting for kang are you gonna show me kang (laughs) we're already like an hour in are we getting kang like this movie's only two hours long so i was a little worried there but then he you know is in the movie like the rest of the time yeah i i i can see some of that like uh the 
the pacing maybe in the first act is a little slower. I I think for me, I I, I really liked that they that they withheld that personally because I really enjoyed the the tension that it creates. Like we know, like we know Kane's in this movie. And every time that gets delayed, I'm like, I'm really looking forward to when they to when they show him. And then when he comes in for this first real scene with uh where where he's kind of like uh getting Scott to do this this heist for him. It's just it, it's just it it feels all the more rewarding to see his acting pay off and his how his character just enters that room. I I I enjoyed that. I think I think the Bill Murray part is kind of interesting because it fills out kind of like some of Janet's backstory which is is kind of cool but also yeah we know he's human in all the right ways yeah right? <laughs> uh and but also like uh that he was you know a freedom fighter that kind of got corrupted into joining Kang's yes i i get not not quite dynasty because that's not until 2025 but uh his 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 empire <laughs> Yeah, you know, I would not be shocked if they actually push back Kang's Dynasty and Secret Wars at this point with the way that they're pushing some of this stuff. Um, here's my theory, and a lot of people's theories, by the way, is, you know, the the guy who's no longer in power at, uh, at, at Disney, Bob Chapek, was probably was probably wanting them to push these out a little sooner and a little faster because they make so much money. Cause Bob Iger's come in and pretty much said, we're slowing down this stuff. <laughs> um, so I think Iger, you know, he's Iger's talked about more quality over quantity. Uh, we saw him do that with star Wars when he realized they flubbed it with putting, you know, solo only six months after, last Jedi, you know, and it kind of, the appetite wasn't there for it as much, uh, that he is like, all right, we're going to slow it down and we're going to focus on the TV side of things. So I, I think that I would not be shocked. We already kind of saw secret wars go from six months away from Kang dynasty to a full year. I wouldn't be shocked if they push it and maybe even make secret wars a two parter or something like that. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Everybody's freaking out now, of course, because Jeff Loveness is writing. Which one is he writing? He, he, Kang? He's writing Kang. Dynasty. I think he's writing Kang. Yeah. Because Michael yeah. Waldron. And then writing somebody else. Oh, Waldron. Why Michael Waldron's Which, and people are freaking yeah. out about that, too. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, one thing that I really liked at the beginning of this movie, though, and I wish we got more of. I know I was just talking about hurrying it up for Kang, but what I, I wish we got more of the real world stuff at the beginning and getting Scott as a celebrity. I thought that was really interesting. You know, him high-fiving the kid with the Ant-Man backpack and him doing his book readings and listening to his audio book on tape. Like that kind of stuff I thought was really fun. And I thought they would explore more of that, but you know, one thing I do know, by the way, because I do follow a lot of this stuff when I probably shouldn't. One thing I do know is that like that whole ending of Scott in the real world was was reshot. That was all stuff that was filmed like a month ago um, because they recently refilmed stuff on that street. And 
her uh, Evangeline Lily's hair matches what she was doing during the press stuff. They didn't even put like her other look on her. So all of that stuff was like reshot. And there was rumors that originally this movie was supposed to end with them stuck in the quantum zone, uh, quantum realm. Uh, her and her and Scott, which to me, I, th- I thought that was going to be true. I'm, I'm watching it. I'm yeah. like, Oh my God. Yeah, that is true. But it makes sense that it's not because Cassie has already developed a way to communicate with the quantum realm. So it makes sense for her to be able to just reopen the portal. So I think if they had ended with them stuck, I would have been left with, well, couldn't she just do what they had done to get in there and (laughs) get them back? You know? So like, so it made sense, you know, in, in the sense of they, I wonder if they thought about that after they had it done and they're like, you know what, we got to refilm this part because uh, this doesn't make sense. I mean, also like, Ant-Man's already been stuck in the quantum realm before. It's 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 been done. He 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 got stuck in there at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp. So why why yes, why do, why yeah. end it the same way? <laughs> I I think I I think it makes Yeah, that would have been weird. Yeah. yeah. It makes more sense, you know, and also, you know, whenever they do finally put out the Young Avengers, I think it I think it uh you know, I can I can see some cool stuff between like uh Cassie and uh um Iron and Riri Williams kind of uh, like collaborating over some tech stuff like that. I, I, I'm very excited for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, I actually really, people said this ending was really abrupt, but I really liked the ending here where Scott is kind of back to his happy go lucky self. And then it dawns on him that he remembers something Kang said, you know, about him kind of staving off something worse and then you get I, well. One, I really like the when he's like, "Ah, oh, it's probably fine, right?" Like, you know that that part was funny. But then it kind of ends on this somber type. Well, uh, maybe everything's not great, and I thought that was a cool way to end, especially an Ant Man film um, pre credits. You know, because like Ant Man and the Wasp kind of ends that way after credits when they're when he's stuck in there, but uh pre-credit wise it was kind of like a happy ending of ant-man and the wasp and this one kind of ends i think uh, you know where where it's like not a imminent danger right it is something that he will have to go on with his life for for a bit but when it comes back uh you know it's he's gonna be like oh crap this is what kang was talking about and he might even be able to fill in the other avengers we might get a reference to this movie, of course, in the other Avenger films when... I mean, how can uh, you not? <laughs> he says, no, I've dealt with this guy. I dealt with this guy before, right? Like, that's... <laughs> I know what he does, and he'll probably be the one to fill us in on that, like how um, Bruce filled us in on Thanos uh, at the beginning of Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, I really like the ending as well. That's one of those scenes where it immediately felt like something you'd see at like the end of a co- of a comic book, like where, where, where he's like, wow, I saved the day and everything's great. And then just like remembering back and then just going like, nah, it's probably fine. That feels like comic book Scott Lang right there. And that I absolutely adored. Felt like a twilight zone for me where you're like, everything's fine, but not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, we've gone all this time so far and we have not talked about MODOK. So let's talk about MODOK 
who uh, people said this is some of the worst CGI they've ever seen. I thought it looked fine, actually. And this is how MODOK looks. So I was uh, <laughs> like, I people said this would replace the floating head from Thor Love and Thunder as the worst CGI they've ever seen. Now, I, I mean, he looks weird because I think he looks weird because one, Corey Stoll has like a bigger nose and it has to get squashed for the MODOK look. And I think that's why he kind of looks so weird. Uh, maybe they could have shrunk in his face on there, but I don't know. It's MODOK. It, he he is exactly what his comic book self is, so I, I enjoyed that as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Like, MODOK should look goofy. He should. He is, he, he is yeah. a floating head with tiny arms and tiny legs. Like, if he didn't look goofy, I would have been more upset. If it, I, I would have been upset if he didn't look goofy because that that's that that's what he's supposed to be he's supposed in, in this movie he's supposed to be kind of like comic relief like it's supposed to be funny when when he takes off the mask and then it's just like this face and i in, in my theater uh everyone anytime that came up just just like laughed because it was it's funny it's so it, he's supposed yeah. to look goofy and if anyone was expecting, if anyone was like, oh, Modok should have looked more realistic. How, how do you make a floating giant head with tiny legs and tiny arms look realistic? That you don't. That's that. That's that. That's it. It's not supposed to look realistic because it's not. <laughs> I think people wanted him to be like scary. Uh, like, I, I think that's what they wanted, but. He's just not. Modok's like, not even scary in anything else. He's not scary in any other media. Right. He, he's kind I, of. I would say maybe they did. They did him very well in the Avengers game that I played. Like he, they did him pretty well, and he looks really good in it. But I don't know how that would translate to to this. What I do like is that they made it Darren, and that we got closure on something from the first movie. Like I thought that was all really good. Yeah, I, I I thought I thought it was fantastic. Um, I also my fa- one of my favorite uh, parts uh, with him. I mean, there was so much. There was there was actually a lot of good parts with him. I thought he was like one of the highlights of of the movie as well. Uh, I love when he's introducing himself and then uh, and then Scott like interrupts his story to say like, "Oh, Modoc, it's an acronym, but it really should be Modofk." Which I I, I think yes, is yes amazing and again feels very much like comic books, great uh, and just uh, it it was it was just it was like a perfect delivery and you feel and it feels like a perfect Ant Man kind of joke. Uh, it it this movie kept yes, a lot of the humor yeah. from those first two, which I really appreciated. I I I'm glad it went serious when it needed to, but I'm also glad that it kept kind of that light humor that uh the ant-man movies have really hammered in the for the past two entries yeah i thought it did well with uh the humor being at appropriate moments like not a lot of humor coming from kang or his storyline it's all coming from like modok it's coming from the bill murray aspect of it right it's coming from the giant ants like it's coming from that stuff and not the villain it's coming from um, them for people that complained 
for people that complained about you know maybe the overuse of jokes in love and thunder i felt like this was a step in the right direction if you're if you're somebody that was like too many jokes in love and thunder i thought this one didn't have that many i mean it still did it at a, i think they spaced them out is my point i guess i think they spaced out these jokes a little easier i mean we even got to see the quantum realm's ass right we got to see uh modok's butt yeah <laughs> I, I thought I thought like I, I, I thought I thought all the humor worked really well. You know, I I liked how each character got like a chance to kind of like shine with jokes. Um, you know, I I really, really liked Hank's joke uh, with when he brings in the ants and he's like, you know, I know socialism is a really charged word, but we have a thing or two to learn from the ants. I thought that was a, a, a good funny. I, I thought that was a good line. And. I felt like the maybe one one complaint that I had was that Hank felt more like a comic relief character rather than like an actual main character within the story. But I also think that it it was it it, it was definitely more of a of a, of a story for Janet and uh, and Kang more than it was for like uh, Hank to really be in there. He 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 just happened to be in there at the same time and. I mean, he's important in the final. Yeah, they battle. didn't know what to yeah. do with Hank. Yeah, I thought I I think they used him well in they they used him well in the final battle with being able to like communicate with the ants and and all of that. I thought that I thought that was great, and also the fact that like the ants traveled through time and created a society like far more advanced, like thousands of years into the future with technology. I, I think that's just that was kind a of level like, two civilization. Yeah, I, I think that's just a creative kind of way to 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 loop that in because you know we see the ants all go in like very intentionally in that first scene where everything's getting sucked into uh, this portal. We sh- they show the ants individually getting sucked in, so it, it 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 has that payoff for for that. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and it kind of gives the original Ant-Man something like this big triumphant moment with the with the large ants. But I felt like other than that, they didn't really know what to do with him in the sense of he's mostly on the ride. Right. He's mostly just there for the ride. Uh, I don't think <laughs> I don't know if you saw the I guess it was during the red carpet or something, but they asked Michael Douglas if he would want to come back for a fourth one. He said, if I get the die, yeah. like, I think he's done with them. That, I think he's over it. That That's a Harrison Ford answer right there. Yes. But I, I think what set them in the direction of not knowing what to do with him is that Hank is like approving of Scott now, right? Like he read Scott's book. He's not like on Scott's ass about stuff. So it was a different cha- different direction for the character and they just were like yeah we don't really know what to do with that so uh we're you know we're we're going to leave them leave them alone there um but i i think another downside of this if you're somebody that is a wasp fan or sp- specifically a hope van dyne fan is again she didn't really have much to do and the wasp in the title is almost more referencing Janet because uh, it is a heavily Janet featured movie uh, with her relationship with Kang, which I liked. I like giving Michelle Pfeiffer more stuff to do, but it just seems like, again, hope was not really much to do. 
I'm wondering if they could have maybe have done something else with this where not that I'm going to try to fix this movie or something, but I'm thinking like, you know, was there a way to maybe keep some of the characters out of the quantum realm instead of being separated, you know, and then having Janet be with Scott some of the time, like that would have been a weird dynamic to have. Like that could have been cool. I don't know. But what happened is we had five characters go in the quantum realm and really only Scott and, uh, Ho, uh, Scott and, um, Janet were like really the focus of it. Uh, Cassie even kind of got um, a little lost in the shuffle once she got captured. I felt I felt like she was good, like she had stuff to do with the rebel rebels. But once she was captured, there was moments where we didn't even see her. I I, I think I think that she I I, I liked I liked it uh, the the way they did it because it gave us time to focus on the two main relationships this movie wanted to talk about, which is Kane and Janet's dynamic and how that all went down. And then Scott and Cassie. And, you know, you get kind of this, this whole thing throughout it, like where Cassie has looked up to her dad, her, her whole life for going out and like looking out for other people and doing things to help people. And she, she does that. Like, you know, I, I, I was I was in, intrigued by the trailer when you know she was coming out of prison like what what was that for and it's for you know trying to help uh you know people uh against police trying to clear out a homeless encampment uh I I think like you know not just homeless people people displaced by right. the snap these are people that lost their homes when they came back from the blip so that's right yeah. uh something that's not even their fault like i mean not that homelessness is anybody's fault mm -hmm. but i mean like this is something tied to what the avengers have done yeah and what our father had done bringing people back right and so the whole idea of you know she she wants her, her dad to be this person again to help people and so you know i i think throughout the like getting to see that dynamic play out in you know when when they're in this little displaced village in the quantum realm uh and uh, and that scene and how they get Im embedded in that sort of conflict and then seeing how it continues to advance throughout that and i also liked in in the third act cassie getting to do her own stuff in there and show like, you know, that she, she knows kind of what she's doing. She can handle herself. And I really, I really liked uh, the callback to civil war with uh, when, when she goes big and then uh, goes back down and she, she's like, I, I could really go for a lime slice instead of sort of the orange slice uh, that time. But <laughs> I, I think it, I think that's a good kind of, you know, a good callback to to something that you know you don't necessarily miss it. it like you don't care about if you didn't if you didn't get it it doesn't detract from anything but if you got it it's it's like a you know an i understood that reference type moment yeah you know the the citrus yeah. right it, it makes you apparently when you go large with the uh pin particles it makes you like crave citrus for whatever reason <laughs> uh but yeah, I did like that callback. I also liked, uh, I forget who it was that said it. Was it Cassie when she said about fighting Captain America? And Scott's like, I wouldn't fight Captain America. Yeah. I fought with Captain America. Like, I'm not a psycho. Like, yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to fight Captain America. 
that was fun. Uh, let's see here. So, yeah, at, at the end, you know, there's people that saying that there's no arc for some of these characters, but I, I felt like there's a clear arc with Cassie and Scott and their relationship and also Cassie inspiring Scott to help people again is, you know, her making that message uh, is really inspiring to Scott. He's he- proud of her. Uh, he was kind of like, I guess you could say, quote unquote, retired at that point. He wasn't trying to be a superhero at that point anymore. And I, I think that's a fine arc. It doesn't have to be a huge arc. It's just about their dynamic and him, you know, her inspiring him to be Ant-Man again. And, you know, now he goes back out there. He knows that Kang is out there or possibly. So I guess let's talk about that. I I thought he so I thought he had died. But I was like well, they didn't actually show him die. And Scott says is he dead? And then I thought that's how they wanted us to feel, but then the end credit scenes like, oh no, that one's dead. And I'm like which is it? I- I'm assuming that one's not actually dead, and he'll come. He'll come around at some point, or maybe he is dead, and maybe, um, you know, maybe the rest of the Kangs we meet are the Kangs that we see at the end here. But w- what's your thoughts on the Kang we met in this movie? Is he alive or dead by the time we exit the film? I mean, I I'm not sure if he's dead. I feel like did maybe he's just trapped inside that core. <laughs> I because he I I feel like I, I I'm pretty sure I saw him get like sucked into that core. Not like he didn't like explode into it, right? Like so maybe he just shrunk down to another lower level of the quantum realm. And you know, that's possible because we saw Scott and uh and Hope do that to retrieve this. So may, maybe maybe he's still alive down there. I don't know how he would get out of there, but I I feel like, you know, may, maybe, you know, that that whole back and forth thing is kind of to, you know, mislead the audience and like keep some things under wraps with things. Right? So may so we think like, you know, is he dead or alive and with all these different sources coming into it who who knows (laughs) and i i mean there there are as we as we see there are literally infinite versions of kang uh so i think i think whatever i i i think whatever one we get will be just as threatening as the kang we saw in this movie yeah there's a theory i read going around now where like because the the core is made out of some sort of multiversal engine or something that he name dropped that maybe it sucked him into there and he ends up becoming the beyonder in secret wars. And he is, you know, still the main villain of this saga, the same Kang, or it could just be that, you know, the ones we see at the end are now going to, so let's clarify the one that we followed this whole film was exiled from 
the Council of Kangs. The multiverse yeah. because of the Council of Kangs, right. Um, which is a comic thing if people are not sure. If you're like, why are all these Kangs together? There's a Council of Kangs. Uh, just like there's like a council of Reed Richards as well, <laughs> as well or, uh, but you know, so there's, uh, people that love having the multiverse are, um, you know, they love meeting up with themselves, but so we have the council of Kangs, they exile him for, I guess, being just a, a jerk, right. And wanting to control everything. He was like the worst one, I guess that they decided to send off here. But we also know from Loki that he who remains originally had, had won the war and had been able to prune the branches to keep all of those Kangs from ever coming because he feared for what they could do. And now, uh, since he remains was killed, we now know that they're running rampant, right? All of these Kangs are now everywhere. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I so he's exiled because of that, and he ends up either dead or alive. We don't know. I guess we'll find out. Um, I, I just find it weird when the council says he's dead because I feel like they would know because they have access to all these timelines. <laughs> like I feel like they would know somehow. But you know, again, he could just be really shrunk down. We saw that, that's what I was kind of curious about. Cause we saw our characters go into that core as well. So, I mean, obviously you can yeah. shrink down into the core, but uh, just some, uh, something I want to point out here, these end credit scene Kangs that are talking here. We've got a mortis. That's the one with the really tall hat. And we got Rama Tut. That is the one that looks like a Pharaoh, Egyptian Pharaoh. And we got a third Kang. I'm not sure who this one's supposed to be. Some people are speculating Scarlet Centurion, which is another version of Kang. Uh, needless to say, these are probably going to be Kangs that we see in the future. I like that Major Jonathan Majors kind of tries to di differentiate them by their voices. Um, I saw some people complaining about his accent for those. I'm sure if... I mean, look... They probably filmed this scene a month ago as well. That's how they do with the end credit scenes. I'm sure if he has more time with these characters, these versions of them will be uh, will be better, I'm sure. But I was really pumped to see Amortis and Rama Tut for sure. Uh, if people are not familiar with Rama Tut, he was actually the first version of Kang to ever be in comics, and they retconned him to be Kang. He was originally just his own villain until they retconned that. But uh, Jack, your thoughts on the on the first end credit scene that we got here? uh it was very cool uh it was it was very cool i thought like seeing seeing this uh at at first i i, I was like wait i as, when i when it first zoo, like opens on the scene of the actual council area and i see all the platforms i'm like there's no way they did this there's no way they did it but they did do it they actually introduced the entire council of kangs and i I, I I loved seeing this, and if people were complaining about, like, the multiverse not feeling like it has enough, like, variation in it or anything like that, you know, all the complaints after Doctor Strange 2 were like, oh, we haven't seen that many universes. We literally just saw thousands of Kangs from different universes. Like, if if that doesn't confirm anything about the multiverse, 
then I, I don't, I don't know what does, but I, I like as they're like going uh, through all this, like each of the canes, like you can tell they have like a distinct personality as well, which makes sense because it's the multiverse, infinite numbers of, of possibilities. And I am very excited for them to continue using that sort of, uh, that, that sort of, uh, of idea going forward and seeing all of these like staple variants of Kang, you know, uh, that, that we've gotten throughout other media. Very cool to see. Uh, I really enjoyed that. My, my dad, who I watched it with was like, I don't get it. <laughs> and, and I was like, no, 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 it's because it's because now they see earth and that timeline of earth specifically as a threat, because if Ant-Man can supposedly kill this Kang that they never could, that they had to exile, suddenly that's a threat. And I I think, like, it's so... I, I, I feel like it's really weird, because some of the reviews I got, uh, I, I read were, like, they're they're doing too much to, to set up the next phase, or they're, not, or they're not being clear enough as to where the next phase is going. How can you be any more clear than what that first end credits scene was saying? Like they 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 say exactly what why they're assembling the Council of Kings because they see this timeline as a threat, and that's exact. And you know, I I see exactly how Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars can fall into place there. Like I I I don't think they could have made a more like concrete blueprint <laughs> than 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 what they did without giving too many fun details away. What we're gonna get in the build-up to Kang Dynasty is we're going to get incursions. We're going to get more incursions. We've heard it a few times. And if people are not familiar with Secret Wars, which is what we're building to, the Jonathan Hickman run of incursions had them, uh, of the Secret Wars, had incursions kind of fusing, like, you know, the wall between worlds like we kind of seen being a little loose then the world's colliding and in secret wars they have to kind of fight to save their version of earth in the comics it was earth 616 facing off against the ultimate universe and uh which is famous for having nick fury look like samuel jackson it's also famous for uh, miles morales being introduced you know uh th those type of things and the way that they did in the comics is once they fused all of a sudden miles is in the 616 universe and that's the earth that won. Right. So the main continuity continued forward and they were able to take the best stuff from the ultimate universe and throw it into the main universe. That was their way of getting miles into main continuity and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not saying we'll see that here, but you know, th there's rumors, there's not rumors, I guess there's theories that maybe the incursion that we're going to see at some point is earth 838 from multiverse of madness and R616 in the films, maybe being the ones that have to battle it out. Not sure, though, because most of those characters died in Multiverse of Madness. I'm not sure if there's much of an Avengers team to even battle <laughs> over there. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, but I, I think that could be fun. Like I think that could be how Secret World Wars plays out. Because, you know, people... I, I don't know if we're going to get this, but people want... Robert Downey Jr. to come back. People want uh, Hugh Jackman. That's a possibility now that Deadpool, he's in Deadpool. I think that is a possibility for sure. And I think...
people want, of course, Toby and Andrew to come back, which they might, I guess. I, I, it sounds like both of them want to play the character again when asked about it in, in, in interviews. So they're not like Michael Douglas where they're like, just kill me if I have to come back. Like they're, they're like, yes, we'll come back. Cause they had a great experience on no way home. So, you know, possibility that's what we could be getting for secret wars. The, what my question is, what the hell's Kang dynasty then? Right. What are, what are we building to in Kang dynasty that then spins off into secret wars? And that's what I'm looking forward to a lot. Is it this council of Kang's? Are they the Kang dynasty or is it another Kang that has risen up and has, uh, you know, maybe dispatched of the council to make him super threatening? I don't know that like, that's the kind of thing that what is Kang dynasty going to detail? I guess we'll find out from Jeff Loveness uh, when he writes it, <laughs> but I don't know. We, we might only have two years till then if it doesn't get pushed back, but. I'm super excited for, but you know what? There's going to be other crumbs because we're going to get Loki season two and that transitioned us into the second end credit scene, which I did not see coming. I, when I saw Victor timely and I saw Kang, I was like, all right, this is cool. Victor timely is of course, if people don't know, is another variant. of Kang. <laughs> so in the comics in 1901, he was an inventor named Victor Timely. He founds the town of Timely, Wisconsin. He's like the first mayor of it. He transfers the city into a technological marvel. Uh, but what happened is he conquered everything within 100 light years of Earth. And so he attacked his ancestors' native world in the modern age, which was like the you know, 1960s. He lost to the Avengers and he travels back to 1901 and kind of sets up this whole new identity. So not saying that's where they're going with it in Loki, but just cool that we're getting Victor timely that I was like, Oh cool. They're just setting up that he's like another variant out there. And then we see Loki in the crowd. We see Mobius in the crowd, which I thought was awesome. And I assume this is kind of like the end credit scene to Ant-Man one that this is probably a scene lifted right out of the show. Is that what you would guess as well here? That's my guess. And probably from, you know, a little bit into the show too, because when Loki season one ends, Mobius does not know who Loki is. So this is exactly, this is definitely from a little bit into the show at least. Uh, but yeah, I I'd imagine that it's from the show. Yeah, it makes me wonder how large of a role he's going to have. You know, of course, at the end credit scene of Loki season one, we see that Kang has taken over the TVA. Um, So he has his whole, you know, statues of himself and all that. We have uh, Mobius, like you said, not remembering him. It's like almost like he ended up in a different timeline. And with that we see them in suits in this scene, right? To try to fit mm -hmm. in. Yeah. I almost feel like if you watch the, watch the Disney plus trailers for 2023, there are few scenes of showing them in suits outside in a like alley or street. And I'm thinking it might be from the same episodes. I'll have to double check that, but that's my, that's my thought process. 
but the good news is we're getting more Jonathan Majors in uh in in Loki season two. Um and I really wonder what that season's gonna be about. Is it just about toppling another Kang who's in charge of the TVA now? Like uh we we also have Sylvie who was kind of she probably won't remember Loki either, maybe, because once she killed He Who Remains, or is she in charge of the He Who Remains desk now? Like, I don't know. There, there's some questions I have about Loki season two. Uh, but it's also really cool to know that we're getting a second season of a Disney Plus show, which we have not had yet for Marvel. So being able to, like, it was fun to, like, see them show up in that end credit scene. Yeah, I mean, we'll have what if season two soon, I think. But yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that gets pushed to next year at this point. Um, unfortunately, I really liked what if. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're. I think with them spacing it, I don't know though, because they also have. Um, they also have. Uh, Spider Man freshman year that's complete too, so I guess that's going to be pushed to next year as well. Apparently the X-Men 97 is still on track for this year, but there was a, I think variety or Hollywood reporter said that at this point, they think the only other shows we're getting this year are secret invasion and Loki season two, and that they've pushed echo back to next year. So some people think maybe daredevils pushed to 2025 and Agatha as well might be, they're filming those now by the way yeah so i uh, we might be waiting a long time we'll, we'll see we'll we'll see about it i i think that there's a chance maybe that echo still comes out towards like the end of this year kind of like like mid-december kind of thing but transfers into the next right. year uh but i i think i think it's not a book of boba fett where it's yeah. december 29th or whatever <laughs> right like i i think something kind of like that where we'll we'll start seeing it in 2023 but it'll finish in 2024 which i i don't think it's necessarily bad i i think it will be a little bit strange to go back to the old kind of marvel schedule where you know there wasn't always something within like a month of of the of the next project of uh so that that but also i i think for the like you know, someone who's trying to get into Marvel, I think it will be easier to kind of get into it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You know, as somebody that hosts a podcast about Marvel, it is nice to have these breaks occasionally where I'm able to do other fun episodes. Like when we did the, the soccer team one, you know, the starting 11s, uh, stuff like that, where you can do that or like the comic based ones, because, Last year was so hot and heavy with these shows. I felt like it was I'd have like a month, like a, a month or maybe three weeks, and then it was like on to the next show that I'm covering on here. So it was like really hot and heavy in 2022. Because uh, we started off with Moon Knight in March, and then Miss Marvel in May. We had some movies thrown in there. Uh, Multiverse of Madness. We had Thor in July. We had Black Panther in November. We had the uh, Werewolf by Night in October. We had, we had 
She-Hulk that was nine weeks, uh, by the way, because it was nine episodes. Yeah, so that was like that was very like stressful doing the show, <laughs> but you know, like fun to get the get the content. But like, there's times where I'm like, oh crap, I got like, oh this show ended, now we're on to the next show. And I think what Disney is ultimately going to want is kind of having some of those gaps because it makes the hype like right now. Like here's the, here is the issue I think. As somebody that enjoyed getting, I don't know, 19 projects in Phase 4 or whatever we got, um, one thing I liked was getting them. But I think one thing I didn't like was the end credit scenes ultimately would end up either not setting up anything or they would hint at something. But you didn't have time to live up to that hype yet you're like okay now we got to move on to the next show which is going to set up something else so there are still end credit scenes for movies we've gotten and tv shows we've gotten that have ultimately not played a factor at all so i think that's one thing i was really excited about this end credit scene setting up loki i'm like i know that's this year that's great but right now there is no announcement for eternals whatever whatever they're going to call that and those characters got taken from earth Taken from her by a giant celestial. And we have no clue what's going on with that. We don't even know if they're ever going to show up again. Hey, I, they will. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's just, uh, you know, all of phase four kind of happens within a year of each other. That's how, that's how I, I view it. Like in the actual Marvel universe, this yeah, is within like yeah. a year. And I think it's kind of funny that suddenly we're all at, we're caught up to the point, to that point. You know, because the blip or we're almost yeah, yeah. 2023 is when everyone comes back. So we, we've we kind of caught up to that point. So which... if you look at their calendars, they're taking place in 2025 now as well. So we're okay. not exactly well, caught. I wish they would do more that, caught up than slow we were. it down, like to where we catch up. Yeah. 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 We're, 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 Thanks to COVID. I guess. Yeah, pretty much. Like, <laughs> yeah, that that's that's about that's about all COVID did uh, po- in terms of positive things for Marvel. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like it just it, it, it just it just allowed us to catch up from fi- from being five years behind to being only two years behind. Yeah. You know, what's amazing about that, too, is the f- so Infinity War came out 10 years after Iron Man one. Right. And those 10 years felt like forever. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's been five years since infinity war. What the hell has happened to time? <laughs> it's been only, it's already been five years since infinity war. That's nuts. Yeah. That, that I, I think it's just because the, the number of projects coming out just been a lot more and it feels like, it feels like, a, uh, I, I'm not sure if it feels longer or shorter actually. It feels weird. To me, it feels shorter because uh, COVID like feels like yesterday still. And that's been three years already, like since we first shut down, like that felt like yesterday. And it has been three years. That is nuts. Well, I mean, <laughs> so, of course, then, you know, we had like a whole year where there was no movies, right? 2020 had like nothing, no shows, no movies. So that's part of it too. The funny thing is, uh, Endgame came out the same like a month before my high school graduation, and in three months I graduate from college. So 
it feels like that's it, crazy. It feels like yeah, a much longer time for me, I think, just because of of that. But I think COVID skewed time. Yeah. Well, you know, everything. I'm also over thirty now. I'm over thirty <laughs> now, and it's like once that happens, it goes super <laughs> fast. God, I'm I'm almost 32 this year. That is scary. Okay. Um anything else about Quantum Mania before we dip out about or move on to maybe some of the reaction of of this cuz I wanted to share what the cinema score and Rotten Tomatoes stuff is. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I I actually have it as number 9 in my MCU rankings. I Maybe maybe it's because I'm biased as a, as a massive Ant Man fan, and I I'm willing to accept that if that's the case. But I also thought there was a lot to love about this movie, and I I remember uh, a bunch of my friends before this came out uh, when the review embargo dropped were saying, "Oh, this movie is going to be terrible," and I I tend to not read reviews until after I go in to see a movie. And I went in, I watched it, I came out, I came out of the movie, and I was like, this is amazing. I don't see what critics are, are talking about. I went and read the reviews, and I still don't get what they're talking about. Uh, I, I think that I think that some of some of it is, you know, it's it's definitely a, a, a movie that is by its very nature meant to set things up. It's the first movie in the middle phase of the multiverse saga. By its very nature, it's supposed to set things up rather than close things off. But I don't think that means it's mutually exclusive from a a good story within it. I think it tells a story about the relationship between Scott and Cassie well. And that's what it needed to do for, for Ant-Man as a character while still setting up everything else. One theory that, that I have with it is film critics want there to be superhero fatigue. <laughs> I, I think that I think there there's there's a certain extent of that like and I, I I can see where some people are coming from with that but I I think that that with each of these Marvel movies coming out ever since Endgame and Infinity War it feels like the reception has just been worse and worse and I feel like it's all it's almost like that the, those movies actually hurt a lot of the future of Marvel just because now everyone expects Marvel movies coming out. It's going to be as big as this, but it can't be. Otherwise it doesn't build up to anything, right? If every movie was like infinity war and Endgame, there's no build up to anything else. Right? So I, I, I think, I think people are, are expecting too much with this. I've said that before we said it when we talked about, multiverse of madness i i just think i i think you know if you kept your expectations in check and like thought critically and said this may have kane in it this may set up a bunch of other stuff for the future it is still an ant-man movie it is going to be goofy it is going to be it's not going to have the the biggest stakes in the world necessarily and I think I think if you go in with those kinds of expectations, you enjoy the movie a lot more than the people who went in thinking this is going to be like a massive, massive turning point for everything. That that's that that's my thinking about it. So 
my my thought on it is look the, it, to give you some all right the rotten tomato meter is at 48 percent. all right that's after 294 reviews that is second lowest the lowest is eternals and here's what i'm going to say to that neither of those are the worst two movies in the mcu all right that's thor the dark world that's like for me like dark world is bottom incredible hulk is near bottom now i do think some of it is you know reviewers have to go see every single movie so now they're getting tired of it i think that's part of it another part of it is when you have i think there was more leeway before Endgame and Infinity War because nothing like this had ever been done. So I think some critics were like, oh, that was surprisingly like, oh, they're building this? Oh, this is cool. This is a good movie, whatever. Like, blah, blah, blah. Then you hit the heights of Infinity War and Endgame, which shows what Marvel can do. And then they were like expecting that all the time. Or... Part of it is definitely the loss of Robert Downey Jr. And not not critically wise, but fan wise, people really loved Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. I understand that. I get that. But I am more invested into the whole universe than just those two characters. So anybody saying we need to bring them back somehow, you're, you would then complain about there being, not being any stakes, right? Those characters are gone. Good. Now they might come back as variants at some point. That's all they should ever do. So that's, that's all it should be. Should never come back fully. So that's so that's part of it, I think, for sure. Now the the part that I don't get also is the fan reaction. So Rotten Tomatoes audience score is at eighty four percent. That's okay for a superhero movie. All right, Eternals was seventy seven. 84% is actually lower than Black Adam's uh, audience score as well. I'm not sure how many people verified ratings on Black Adam, probably around the same amount or more at this point. That movie didn't do too well. So when we're projecting at how this movie is going to do financially, because here's the problem I do think we have. They've said they want to do an Ant-Man 4, and they want to do a smaller scale version of it, like another not a huge event like this. If this movie doesn't do well financially, I don't know if we get a fourth Ant-Man and if we do, it will be a very small stakes story, which is probably fine, but it's not going to like, he's not going to be the star of like a big event like this. Again, they're going to, they're going to learn a lesson from that because these movies always did lower financially. And if this one does do lower financially than even ant-man and the wasp which is a possibility when you look at long term um before it hits dvd not the weekend but the whole box office run then i think they'll be like because i think this movie probably costs 200 million or more uh the other ant-man movies cost considerably less money so if we do get a fourth one it'll be small stakes it'll be smaller budget no pun intended for Ant-Man, by the way. And then we will, like, they'll be able to make money off of those again. So for people that don't understand cinema score, I'm going to explain this 
to you here. I put a tweet out yesterday as well, last night. But it got a B, which many people would say, a B, that's really good. Well, when it comes to cinema score, that's not very good. All right. So when it comes to superhero movies, a B is really bad. So the the cinema score people, I don't know who they are. All right. They, they, they've run this website. Well, they didn't run the website, but they've done this thing since 1978. All right. And they're very accurate for predicting the legs a movie is going to have. So they always go out the day of the movie releasing like Thursday and Friday and they interview people as soon as they step out of the movie. And the reason why that matters a lot for superhero movies is because the diehard fans always go the first day or two. Um, compared to other movies where the, you know they're not franchises. So that's why this matters more to superhero movies as having a lower score. So the, con- the consensus is if they are low on a movie... That's bad because these are the diehards. These are the people that should be raking these movies higher. So that's why they usually look at it this way. Now, I'm going to probably tell on myself here because this movie got a B. That's the second, that's the lowest that an MCU film has gotten. That's tied with Eternals. Um, most of Phase 4 has had a B plus, which also was unheard of after like before Endgame came out, I think only one movie had a B plus and I think it was dark world. Incredible Hulk. Okay. Uh, I think dark world got an a (laughs) minus. I can check. Hold on. That's a crime. That's, Uh, that's a crime. If dark world has a, if dark world has a, okay. So, okay. Thor one, Thor one got a B plus dark world got an a minus. That's a crime. That's a crime. (laughs) (laughs) I probably was part of that. I really liked dark world when I first saw it. And then after that, I was like, I cannot watch this movie ever again. So B is not great. Other movies that gotten a B. All right. And this is where I'm telling on myself here. Okay. I got, Batman vs Superman, Green Lantern, and Fantastic Four 2005, which is not a terrible movie. I like all three. I, of I, those. I think so. <laughs> I like <laughs> I like all three of those that I just listed. So now I like them at varying successes, right? Like BVS is not in my top. I would rank this movie way ahead of that one. But uh, so hey, maybe I'm part of the problem. Maybe I'm you know. I don't know. The good news, we didn't get a C or C plus. Those are like almost franchise killers. I'm going to name two superhero movies that have C's. And that is Batman and Robin from 1997, which killed the Batman franchise until eight years later. (laughs) And Fantastic Four 2015. Yeah, yeah. Which killed the Fantastic Four franchise. Yep. That I I will say I think fa- the Fantastic Four 2015 <laughs> is the only movie I've walked out of the movie theater and was like I did not enjoy that at all. I've still not watched it. I said I'm not going to watch it's it. It's better for it's better if you're a Fantastic Four fan to not. <laughs> I'm waiting for Marvels instead at this point. Uh but yeah, so not that a C would kill the MCU. I'm saying that would probably kill all chances of an Ant-Man 4 if it was a C. Uh, I think there is still a chance we get Ant-Man 4 with a smaller budget, smaller scale, and it 
you know, maybe passing the torch to Cassie officially or something. I don't know. But that's the future of Ant-Man right now is it's not unfortunately going to be probably a cornerstone franchise um, at this point. Now, of course, what else got, so that got a B, a B plus was Multiverse of Madness, which still almost got a billion dollars. This movie is not going to get close to that, I don't think, but it can still have a successful run. The reason why we're worried about a B is that most movies that get a B, its legs get cut considerably short because then the word of mouth is not super great. And then people, less people go see it. They'll say, I'll wait until Disney plus I'll see it later. And Eternals, by the way, was like the most streamed MCU film in 2022. And that's probably part of the reason is because it got a B and people stayed away. And then people just caught up on it on Disney plus later. So, um, that's that's where we're at uh with with ant-man right now what sucks because i really liked i really liked it but uh oh well i i i I still think like the the trend of like those cinema scores going kind of down has just been the expectations of these diehard fans getting too high i i i i maintain that i i maintain that i think that after after Infinity War Endgame, everyone was like, oh my god, they're going to keep going up from here. But you can't. Otherwise, or otherwise you know, it, it, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy the rebuilding part of it. I, I think Phase 4 is the best phase that Marvel made. I think it's my favorite, at least. I really, really enjoyed the stories that it told, the characters it introduced... I I thought it was I thought it was great. Uh it it has like some of my favorite movies and projects in there. I think it makes up like 4 or 5 out of my top 10 in the MCU from phase 4. I I think I think it's I think it's great. And uh so may, maybe it's maybe it's because I kept my expectations in check a little bit and and, and knew exactly from like uh after 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 this like it's not going to be like this every time this is like an an event that it has been building up to that's that's how that's how it should be treated that's what that's what Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars are going to be like and i and i can guarantee that the that if they just kept that same level for all of these movies up until then then those last two two movies those avengers movies wouldn't feel special they 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 would just feel like another one of the of these movies in the multiverse saga. They have to build up to it. They have to set all the pieces in motion. And all of all of the only reason Infinity War and Endgame work so well is because they did all all of these movies in like phase one and two did a bunch of heavy lifting to get characters in the right places for things. That's Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania does that for for Scott. And for Cassie, right? It gets Scott out of this like retirement mode and back into into this idea. It gets all, the Council of Kangs involved in in all of this and uh, and starts to get us moving towards Kang Dynasty. Uh, I th- I think I think that's I think it's doing that heavy lifting and it and it's it gets underrated because of that. And you know I I. I I think that's unfortunate because 
I think if you go into this movie and you're like, I'm going to have a fun time watching an Ant-Man movie that's going to be funny, it's going to be a little goofy, it's going to be weird and zany because it's in the quantum realm, then, then, you, then you get like a, what, what our reaction was, right? Where you really, like you like it or love right. it. If you go in expecting this is going to give us all the answers for the future of the MCU, you're not going to enjoy it as much. Because it's going to set some things up. But if it gives you all the answers, why do you come back for the next movie? That that's 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 my thoughts on it. I, and I don't even know what I don't I don't even know what answers people want anyway. It's like we kind of know where we're heading exactly now. So I I <laughs> I don't really get that. But uh, Phase Four as a whole for me, I I dug most of it. I don't think there hasn't been anything Marvel's put out that I've like actively hated. Even like the dark world. I like, I can tolerate it. It's not like I hate it. And I, I don't understand when people have to go like online and just express their hate all the time either, because if I don't like a movie, I like stop thinking about it because I don't want to <laughs> think about it anymore, you know? Yeah. Uh, Cause I hated it. So I, I don't get when people like harp on stuff that much, but you know, some people get their kicks out of that, I guess. But I think what people have forgotten, what phase three did has made people totally forgot about phase one and phase two, which were not all hits financially. And they were all not hits um, critically or I guess reception wise. I remember people saying Thor wasn't great. I remember people saying first Avenger wasn't great. You know, cap. I enjoyed both of those movies. What happened is it got catapulted into a whole nother stratosphere once Avengers released. There's a reason Kevin Feige now, like you said, for Avenger films, has made them the end of sagas. is because he doesn't want another Age of Ultron. Because guess what? Age of Ultron got shredded because it was mostly a film that people say set stuff up. It did. But it also was mostly a standalone Avengers movie that did not have to play a part with the Thanos stuff. And people at that point were wondering where we were heading. So it's almost like the same sort of thing, you know, and then, and part of it too, is why people soured on age of Ultron 2014, October 28th. They announced, I know that date. Cause I got in a car accident that day. <laughs> they were, uh, I got home and got to read all the news. But, you know, they did this whole press event where they announced all of the movies through Endgame. Uh, they didn't name it Endgame. They called it Infinity War Part 2. That was 2014. So 2015, Age of Ultron comes out. It's mostly standalone and doesn't build that stuff up. And people are like, well, we're building up to Thanos. Why didn't we get any sort of thing with that? You know? <laughs> and... It mostly was part of the same issue that we're getting with Phase Four films. Uh, when and especially when people complain that not all of the multiverse saga has had to deal with the multiverse yet, go <laughs> and watch a random Phase One or Phase Two movie where we did not know Thanos was the villain, and it does not tie in at all. It is a standalone adventure with some setup, you know we didn't even know we were getting infinity stones until we saw the infinity gauntlet. There's other Thanos storylines. When we see Thanos at the end of Avengers, it does not mean it's going to be infinity stones. That's what people 
kind of started thinking it was going to build up to, but we didn't hear the word infinity stones until God I, guardians. Yeah. I think guardians. Yeah. Maybe. I think, I think that, I think that's the first time that might, may have been. Yeah. And I mean, most, a lot of phase two movies don't have to do with the infinity stones. Like, a lo- like most of them actually don't have to do with infinity stones. Like just going through phase one and two, uh, Iron Man. No, Iron Man two. No Thor kind of first Avenger kind of Avengers. Yeah. The Tesseract. The Tesseract. Yeah. It's, but it's all the Tesseract, all, all of the, all of the stone. It's all the same yeah. infinity stone in phase one, uh, phase two, Iron Man three. No, uh, Thor, the dark world. Yes. Winter Soldier, no. Guardians, yes. Age of Ultron, no. Ant-Man, no. There, there's there's no Infinity Stones in there. It's not until Phase 3. That's the first two phases. Yep. And then Phase 3, not even the first movie in that because that's Civil War. But then we get to Doctor Strange and we get the Time Stone. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I think has yep. a little bit of that. Ragnarok doesn't really talk about the stones at all. Or, I, or maybe a little bit. Uh, Black Panther doesn't. No, it doesn't. Yeah, people started thinking that the uh, no, people started thinking that the uh, the heart shaped herb was going to be the Soul Stone or something, uh, because of the how it brings you to your ancestors and, and stuff like that. So that that was one thing that people were 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 thinking. But yeah, I mean, if you read them out loud, and guess what? Most of these got retconned. The the Tesseract was not the space stone that was the cosmic cube. They even dropped the name cosmic cube, which was another artifact in comics. Then the, the mind stone being inside Loki scepter was a total retcon. That was not what that was supposed to be until age of Ultron made that happen. Right. And give it to Ultron. I mean, give it to vision. So people have kind of got rose-colored glasses on because they've they know the whole story now, and because it was the first time it was ever happening, and now people think they know how it should go, and they're thinking we're going too slow, but we're not. We're going pretty much how they went last time. And do you know what's funny though? After Black Panther, the next movie is Infinity War, and then we find out about more of these stones yeah. for like. We we find out about the Soul Stone for the first time in this movie. Like we this yep. <laughs> this is the first time we we get that. Uh time stone we knew about before, space stone, yes, reality stone, yes, uh mind stone, yes. But Soul Stone and I'm missing one other one. I cannot think of, of the sixth stone. For the life the of mind me. did you get the mind no, i got is it the is it power power yeah that's the um i guess that's in, Gal- in guardians Zandar. of the galaxy yeah and so. we didn't even we didn't even get to see that like him get it yeah he just already has it at the beginning of infinity war as well so you know i think we're moving at a good pace i i think we're fine i think the only thing that might change is when these movies come out um, also another thing out of the four MCU films that are not certified fresh on rotten tomatoes and have also gotten a B plus or worse on cinema score 
are four out of their last six movies. That's kind of worrying if you're Kevin Feige, and that's why you want to probably slow down as well. Those are Eternals, Multiverse of Madness, Love and Thunder, and Quantumania, which all have that um, stipulation of not being certified fresh and having a B-plus or worse on CinemaScore. Which, if you're James Gunn, perfect time to take charge of DC and have a real chance at creating competition. And competition will be great for both sides because that means the MCU is no longer the top dog. They have to do something. They have to, you know, I'll never take like getting, I'll never be upset with getting a better film. So even if I like these movies and I love some of these movies that have come out since Endgame, if they can be even better because of the competition from James Gunn's DC universe, then that's a win. And I think, uh, I think that'll be really interesting to see. I just hope that here's another thing. Marvel has up their sleeve. They got fantastic four yet to join and they got the X-Men yet to join, which are like staples, huge name recognitions. Yeah. That they'll be able to, if they make good movies, right. And they have good word of mouth where people all of a sudden be like, Oh my God, the MCU is back on track because we got Wolverine. We, we've got professor Xavier. We got, uh, the thing Reed Richards, you know? Yeah. The thing, but not the thing versus Hulk. Yeah. We need that in live action. But not Michael Chiklis. <laughs> oh, I like, I know him I'm kidding. I, 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 th- I, I kind of, I would like to see it. <laughs> I know I don't I don't want every past Marvel character to come through in like Secret Wars, but I would kind of like to see that original Fantastic Four cast come through because I think it would be funny as well if it was Chris Evans and then a character remarks like, haven't I seen you before? Yeah, like I that I I would love it. I would love it so much. (laughs) Yes, that would be great. Uh, I, you know, and I really wish, and I'm going to say this year again, I really wish the John Krasinski, Mr. Fantastic was the Mr. Fantastic from the 2005 films. I think that would have hit a lot better than just like, Oh, we did a fun fan cast thing. Like it would have been really cool to have another, like, cause you got professor Xavier from, um, the X-Men films, even though it's not, it's a different universe, but you know, we got the same actor there, Patrick Stewart. It would have been cool to just see, uh, you know, the Mr. Fantastic I grew up with sitting there too. All right. Uh, so I guess that wraps us up here. If you want to give us a follow for all things Marvel or MCU, um, you can reach us at to infinity saga on Twitter. The rest of our links are in the show notes. I don't have it pulled up here and they are all different on each platform. So I do not remember that off the top of my head. I know Instagram for sure is to infinity no, to the infinity saga and beyond. I think is what the Instagram is, but yeah. Thank you all for watching or listening. Have a great rest of your week. And I guess we'll catch you next time, which I'll try to do another episode soon about something. We'll find out. We got We don't know when secret wars, a secret invasion is coming out. And then Guardians is May. So we have a huge gap right now for me to come up with some cool episodes. So I'll be back soon for sure.